This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We've been uh, teaching on the subject of righteousness for the last few weeks, and we want to continue to go a little bit further down that line. So we want to start in Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans chapter 5. Paul introduces by the Holy Ghost, by the instruction and direction of the Holy Ghost, Paul introduces God's two-man, uh, well, I started to use the word theory, but it's not, it's not uh, uh, that wouldn't be an appropriate word to use. Let me say it this way. The Holy Ghost informs us that all of mankind hangs on the actions of two men. First Adam in the Garden of Eden, and second Jesus when he came to the earth. Romans 5, 17, it says, For if, literally since, this is the way it worked, if by one man's offense, he's talking about Adam, if one man's offense, by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. God's two-man revelation to us is simply this, we know in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, when God made Adam and Eve, he gave them authority and dominion over everything that he'd made here on the earth. He gave them one commandment. There was one thing that they could not do. And that was eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, we see from what Paul tells us here, he confirms what we already know. And that is the death he was talking about wasn't a physical death. Adam and Eve didn't die physically the day that they ate of the fruit of the tree, forbidden tree. They died spiritually. And that's what d this death that Romans 5.17 is talking about that began to reign over mankind. Mankind fell into spiritual death. Spiritual death just means separation from God, estrangement from God. It doesn't mean a, ce a cessation of existence. They didn't cease to exist, but they existed in a different form in a different manner than they had before. The light of God's word, the light of life that was in them went out and they became estranged or separated from God. Now, the fact that the Bible tells us and uses the comparison between Adam and, and Jesus, I think is really very significant, something that doesn't seem to be uh, either understood or focused on to any degree among the modern day church. But when Adam was in the Garden of Eden before he fell, he was alive by the, the Spirit of God that was within him. The Bible tells us about how that God fashioned Adam's body with his hands and then breathed in him and breathed the breath of life into him and he became a living soul. King James says he became a living soul. The source of Adam's life was the Spirit of God. Before God breathed in him, he looked like a man. He had the body and the appearance of a man but there was no source of life. God made Adam's source of life his own spirit. When he breathed into him, he took a part of himself and placed it in mankind. Now, we know in Genesis 1.26, the reason that God put man here in the first place. Genesis 1.26 says, God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness and let them have dominion over the earth, over all the work of our hands. Man was created for one purpose, not because God was lonely. God can't get lonely. He's God. God certainly wanted a man to fellowship with, 
But it wasn't even for fellowship that God created him. He created him for the purpose of having dominion. So realize what this means. This means that the only thing that God created, the only one of God's creation that had any part of himself was man. And that deposit, that breath of life that was the source of Adam's being, the source of his life, was his basis or foundation or right to exercise dominion on the earth. Now, when man fell, everything changed. I used to think, and I used to preach it this way. Matter of fact, pretty much everybody that I know preaches it this way. But it became a common phrase or a commonly understood idea that man lost his dominion and authority when he fell. But now think about what that would mean. That would mean the trickery of the devil, the deceit of the devil that caused Adam to disobey is great enough. The power that the devil exercised is great enough to change God's whole plan. Does anybody really believe that? I don't. I don't believe God's plan could be changed. Well, if it couldn't be changed, then that means man never lost his authority. He just lost his connection with God in the exercise of his authority. Now, some people will say, yeah, but the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. Well, the word that's used for world there does not mean planet, does not mean the earth. It doesn't even mean the, earth, the world system that's in operation here on the earth. It means time. So when the Bible says Satan is the God of this world, it means he's the God that's ruling over this time. But how does the devil accomplish his work? He, just, he doesn't just decide the world is the way that it is. Satan accomplishes his work through the influence by deceit over men and women that have authority here on the earth. That's the only way he has to operate is through his deceit, through his trickery. The Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. That means we're not ignorant of the way that he works. He works through deceit, sleight of hand, trickery. And he only has the opportunity to exercise dominion on the earth through the, the free will and choice of men under his influence. I think we've given the devil a lot, way too much credit for things here on the earth. Man is the one that was given dominion. Satan can't change that. He hasn't been able to and he won't be able to. So when Adam was exercising dominion over the earth, it doesn't, the Bible really doesn't tell us how or specifically in what way he was exercising that dominion. But since his source of life was God, and the Bible tells us a lot in the first chapters of Genesis about how God created the earth through words. He spoke life into existence. He spoke light into darkness. He spoke so that the dry land would appear and the animals would be created and so forth. The Bible tells us over and over again that God spoke and it became just like he said. Well, there's only one reason that I can think of that, would, that the Bible would give us such detail about that. And that is, man was created in the likeness and the image of God, so the same way that God worked in creation must be the way that man was to operate in his authority and dominion here on the earth, through words. We know that's certainly the way that Jesus operated, and he told his disciples how it worked. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe 
that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Furthermore, when we look at the examples in the Old Testament, over and over again, God said to Israel, Behold, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Another place in uh, Numbers chapter 14, when Israel was disobeying God about going into the promised land, God said that the eternal law, the oracle of God, the unchanging never uh, ever to be principle is simply this. I will deal with them according to the words that they have spoken in my ears. Now, if the devil's in control, why are your words important? If the devil's in control, how could you choose life over death? Apparently, man never lost his position of authority. He never lost his dominion. He just lost control of the tongue that was once hooked up, originally hooked up with God in the exercise and the use of that dominion. But the Bible tells us that this is the reason Jesus came, and when he came, he changed everything. Let me read verse 17 again. It says, for since by one man's offense, Adam's, death reigned by one. Spiritual death reigned and ruled and reigned over the earth. Much more. Everybody say much more. Now, how absolute was spiritual death reigning on the earth? Did anybody avoid the spiritual death that was here and came into being because of Adam's sin? Now, the Bible tells us that there comes a point in every person's life where they know the difference of right and wrong, between right and wrong. And when they choose wrong, and everybody has, then spiritual death begins to rule and reign over them. So we can say that death reigned over mankind absolutely, without exception. There was nobody that could exert or show any force of righteousness on their own for any period of time to avoid that spiritual death. But in making the comparison, Paul uses a word or a phrase that he used several times in, in different applications. But when he uses this phrase much more, if you look that up in the Greek, you'll find out that it literally means so far beyond that it shouldn't be compared. Well, we have to have something to compare it to, to understand so Paul, by the Holy Ghost, the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, rightly in my thinking, uses a comparison that we can relate to. For since by one man's offense, death reigned by one. It reigned absolutely. It reigned over every person without exception. It reigned absolutely here on the earth. Much more, so far beyond that you shouldn't even use it as a comparison. They which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Now, consider this. Isn't it interesting that Paul, in writing about righteousness, writing about the gift of eternal life that's available to us through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus, when he talks about that righteousness, he doesn't just talk about some standing with God that's been recovered. He talks about a place a new creation place with God, a new species of being for the purpose of exerting dominion here in the earth like God originally planned.
Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. See, folks, if God made man to have dominion, that was his original plan, and God never changes, so that's his present-day plan. And Jesus becomes the example for us on how to exercise dominion. And what did Jesus say? Well, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He's one of the, the uh, religious leaders. And he says to Jesus, Master, we know that no one can do these things other than God being with him. All these miracles, all these healings, all the things that we've witnessed. God has to be with you. And Jesus begins talking about being born again. He said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he can't be saved. You must be born again. Well, there's that gift of righteousness. In other words, Jesus is saying, the reason that God is with me is because I'm righteous here on the earth. And that righteousness belongs to anybody and everybody now that he's been raised from the dead and paid the price for it. Now, there's a difference between Adam's righteousness and Jesus' righteousness, or the righteousness that Jesus purchased for the church. Adam's righteousness was because he was created originally in the Garden of Eden in the manner that he was, in the likeness and the image of God, an exact copy and duplicate of God himself. But Adam's righteousness was something that was within his own power and his own control. And it was enforced, it existed and it was enforced, continued based on his right action. But that's not the righteousness that we have. We've got a righteousness that was bought and paid for. We've got a righteousness that was purchased by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of God himself. Therefore, it's no longer dependent on our actions. It's an eternal righteousness. It's not subject to your mistake or my mistake. It's not a righteousness that we lose through the deceit of the devil. It's a righteousness that is once and for all, eternal in the heavens. Now, what is the purpose for us being restored in righteousness or by the gift of righteousness under our heavenly Father? Well, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, said it was so that we could reign in life. How many of you want your kids to succeed? How many of you are willing to do whatever is necessary for your kids to succeed? I wonder if God's that good. I wonder if God wants that for his kids. I don't know about you. I expect you're the same way as I am in this, and that is I'll do anything and everything in my power to see that my kids succeed. And if there's an enemy that comes against my kids, 
whether they know it or not, they've got two entities. Because I'm in there with my kids. I wonder if God's that good. See, I just consider that good parenting. One of the quickest ways to get on my bad side is to come against my kids. I wonder if God's that good. I'll give my kids every advantage possible so that they can succeed. I'll do whatever is necessary so that if nobody else can succeed, my kids will. I wonder if God's that good. Much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, this life, here on the earth, by one Jesus Christ. Now turn with me over to James chapter 3. These are scriptures that I used to have a hard time with because I hadn't done the, I hadn't come to the realization of some of the things that I just shared with you about man's authority. I was thinking that man lost his authority at the time that these scriptures were a problem for me. I was thinking that man had lost his authority through the fall. And so James chapter 3, when he starts and he says in verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. A lot of people want to be teachers of other people, but they don't want the consequences of it. See, James is saying by the Holy Ghost, if you're going to take upon yourself to teach somebody, you've got to take on yourself the responsibility of what that teaching results in. I never have understood people wanting to be in a place where they could tell other people what to do. I don't want to tell other people what to do. I don't want to be responsible for you messing up. If you want to set up a counseling appointment to find out what you ought to do, let me just save you the trouble. <laughs> You're going to have to pray and find out from God, which is the way it was supposed to be anyway. So he says, be not many masters, knowing that we receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. Now, the word offend means stumble. For in many things we offend or stumble or slip up, make mistakes. If any man offend or stumble not in word... The same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, please realize what this is saying, folks. This is saying if you learn to control your tongue, you can control anything and everything about your life. Notice the importance of the tongue, the importance of the words you speak. Now, put together this with what we just read over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. How is he going to reign in life? Well, if he's going to do it without stumbling and falling, he's going to have to do it through the words of his mouth. According to James chapter 3 and verse 2. If you don't master your tongue, you'll never master any other aspect of your body. But if you learn to master your tongue, you can master addictions, sin, Difficulty, tragedy, trouble of every kind. If you can master your tongue, control your tongue, use your tongue rightly, you can defeat anything and everything else about you that's in your life. Are you out there? Do you see that? Then James goes on to tell us why that's so important. Verse 3, he said, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths, that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Well, even the smallest horse is stronger than a man. 
but you can control them by applying pressure to their tongues. That's what a bit does. It applies pressure to the horse's tongue. Pressure exerted in the right way on your tongue will lead to the control of your body. Do you see that? Verse 4, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. He's talking about the rudder. No matter how big a ship is, it's got a rudder, and the, rud the size of that rudder is extremely small in comparison to the rest of the size of the ship. Yet you can control it through one small member or piece of the construction of the ship. He says that's what the tongue's like too. A lot of people overlook the importance of controlling your tongue. But he says it's the source or the means or the way to control your whole body. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. In other words, he's saying no matter how big a fire is, it starts with one spark. Your tongue is the spark for the fires that can be lit and set in your own life. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and is set on fire, the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Now let me point something out to you folks. That's not the way the tongue was made. It's not the way it was in the Garden of Eden. It's not the way it was with Adam before he fell. So what James is talking about is he's talking about the unrenewed tongue. He's talking about the tongue of the world or the tongue of the, the Christian who hasn't renewed his mind to the word. In other words, he's saying, he's showing us that man lost control of his tongue in the Garden of Eden. He lost control of his tongue. Where his tongue was that which was set on fire of heaven for the purpose of exercising dominion and authority in the Garden of Eden when Adam died spiritually. Now the source of the action and the influence of the tongue is from hell, not heaven. When Jesus came to the earth, sacrificed himself for us, shed his precious blood, and was raised from the dead so that we could be born again, so that we could be new creatures in Christ Jesus. God gave man back the control of his tongue. Now, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if it just happened overnight as soon as you got born again? We know it doesn't work like that. But through the Word of God and the renewing of your mind to the Word of God, you can regain control of your tongue. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden before the fall, everything Adam said was, was sourced and originated in connection with the life of God that was, that was his, the Spirit of God that had been breathed into him. The source of everything that Adam said before the fall, everything he did came from the life of God that was within him, the Spirit of God that was in him. I doubt very seriously if Adam walked through the Garden of Eden looking around saying, oh God, I don't deserve this. Because Adam's experience was he was looking at all the animals. God brought all the animals to Adam to name them. 
And after seeing everything that lived on the earth, naming all the bugs and the critters and everything else that was out there, he looked around and he said, no wonder I'm in charge. I've got the Spirit of God in me and nothing else that God created does. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Among other things, it says Jesus did not think it robbery or inappropriate or improper to be equal with God. In other words, Jesus understood that he was made in the image and the likeness of God. Do we understand that? I don't think we understand what it means. We may hear and accept the words, but I don't think we understand what it means. Let's keep reading. James is not finished talking about the tongue. Verse 7, he says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made out of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Now he's clearly talking about the situation that exists at the present time. And the whole point that he's making this, in this passage of Scripture, is the importance of the control of the tongue. How are we supposed to gain control of our tongue? By the life of God in us. The Bible says over and over again, both Old Testament and New, Te New Testament, Old Testament prophecies, New Testament fulfilled. It said, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Jesus said it this way when he was tempted of the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying, Jesus, who had control of his tongue in every respect, which was the reason that he was able to exercise the authority and the dominion in his life that he did. He said, the source of your tongue, the source of your words, must be the word of God. It must be the word of God. Now, we know that every problem that we encounter in life has something to do with the work of the tongue. When the devil attacks us, and you don't have to be in the wrong to be attacked, I don't mean that. But every time we are attacked, the results that we get are a result of the words that we speak about our circumstance. Because it's an unchanging law revealed in Numbers chapter 14 that God will do unto us according as we have spoken in his ears. So your words control everything regarding the outcome of your life circumstances and situations. Everything. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. One translation says, that means a new species of being. God put his spirit inside of you and made you a new person. You're not the person you may see yourself to be. Learn to look at yourself through the lens of God's word and walk according to what he says about you. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Yeah, but I feel so helpless. Well, he said he'd help you. Yeah, but I feel so weak. He said he'd strengthen you. 
Pastor Mike, I just don't feel like I'm going to make it. He said, I'll uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Since God is for us, since God is with us, since God is in us, who can be against us? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.